The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome to those of you tuning in online, and welcome to all of you here in the room this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. And I got a couple announcements for you. One of them is that October 25th at 6 p.m., we're going to have our annual trunk or treat celebration out here in the parking lot. So I hope you will invite some people. Come if you want to sign up to decorate your trunk, to hand out candy. There should be a link in the email you got this morning. There should be a link in our Facebook group. And so we're going to be taking some COVID precautions, of course. Uh, the cars will be distanced. We're asking everyone to wear masks. If you're giving out candy. We ask you to wear gloves, but it's really going to be a good time, so I hope you'll be there October 25th for Trunk or Treat at 6 p.m. right out here in our parking lot. And then secondly, our ministry and mission site, Sister Church, down in Oklahoma City, Cross and Crown, they have seen a large uptick in homelessness here in Oklahoma City, partly due to the pandemic. And so they have asked us to help contribute, especially with food and with warm clothing. So yes, if you've got tents, if you've got sleeping bags, winter coats, if you've got canned goods, bottled water, juice, whatever, please bring that here. And we're going to be receiving that, and we'll do that until November 1st, when we'll go ahead and take it down to try and bless some of our homeless brothers and sisters down in Oklahoma City. So I hope you'll contribute to that as well before November 1st. Let's jump right into our text this morning. It's a long one, so buckle up for all of Revelation chapter 13. I don't want you to miss a single verse. Then the dragon took his stand on the sand of the seashore. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on its horns were ten diadems, and on its heads were blasphemous names. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And the dragon gave it his power and his throne and great authority." One of its heads seemed to have received a death blow, but its mortal wound had been healed. In amazement, the whole earth followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? The beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all the inhabitants of the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slaughtered. Let anyone who has an ear listen. If you are to be taken captive, into captivity you go. If you kill with the sword, with the sword you must be killed. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. 
Then I saw another beast that rose out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast on its behalf, and it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound had been healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in the sight of all, and by the signs that it is allowed to perform on behalf of the beast, it deceives the inhabitants of earth telling them to make an image for the beast that had been wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could even speak and cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell who does not have the mark, that is, the name of the beast, or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let anyone with understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a person. Its number is 666. Let's pray. God, we give thanks once again this morning for your Holy Spirit's presence with us and for your word. God, we ask for assistance, for discernment, for the illumination of your Holy Spirit to help us hear your gospel in this text. I ask you, Lord, for the gift of preaching, and I ask that you would give us hearts to follow these words. It's in your precious and amazing name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus is about to be betrayed and arrested. You guys know the story. And Judas is coming to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to betray Jesus with a kiss to hand him over to the Jewish authorities, to hand him over to the Roman authorities to kill him on a cross. And just as this is about to happen, Peter, we find from one of the Gospels, pulls his sword and cuts off the ear of one of the servants of the high priest. And as Matthew tells it in chapter 26, Jesus said to Judas, Friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. We're in Revelation 13 this morning, and as you heard, it is a wild chapter filled with dark forces and incredible imagery. But what I want us to hear this morning in Revelation 13 is that the beast lives and dies by the sword. In chapter 12, right before this, Lisa did a beautiful job reading it. We get all this amazing story of the dragon, of Satan, the devil, in this heavenly warfare. And we hear that the dragon cast down to earth has the authority to make war on the woman and her children. And then in this chapter, the dragon gives that authority to the beast. And so the beast is worshipped by the peoples of the world. It says in verse 3, in amazement, the whole earth followed the beast. They worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, 
Who is like the beast and who can fight against it? The beast is worshipped because the beast has the power of the sword. The beast has the power of violence, has the authority of the dragon, of Satan to wage war. The beast lives and dies by the sword. But before we can talk about what the beast does, we got to talk about who the beast is. Right? You remember this chapter has actually two beasts. There's this first beast that rises out of the sea, and then there's a second beast that rises out of the earth. Well, the second beast is really just kind of the puppet of the first one. Right? They're kind of their propaganda minister. They're always just pointing back to this first beast that has received authority from the dragon. And so it says of this beast, it says that it causes all, in verse 16, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell who does not have the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let anyone with understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a person. Its number is 666. That's the most ominous number we know, isn't it? 666, just saying it is creepy. And in fact, it's so ominous that a few years ago, I walked into the tag agency to get a license plate for a new vehicle, and they handed me a license plate, and sure enough, it ended in 666. I was like, okay, um, I guess I'll be the 666 license plate guy. Um, all right, and I took a picture of it, I sent it to Laura, and before I could leave for home, she was like, no, 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 you cannot have that license plate, I'm not driving that car, you're not driving that car, march in there and tell them you have to switch it, and so I did. But I'm actually probably the lucky one in my family because some things can't be exchanged, and I actually have a very close family member who the last four digits of their social security number, the last three digits are 666. And they didn't really know that this was a big deal uh, until they would start to say it across the counter to people. who would be like, hey, I need the last four of your social. All right, it's 8666. And they'd be like, you know, staring up at them. And so this uh, person, he would occasionally uh, start to mess with people. This happened so often that he would say, 8666, and as they were looking up at him, he would start to go, ah! <laughs> but now he, he's fixed it because at the end, whenever they need the four digits, he just says, 8666. No one bats an eye. Never questions it at all. But Christians have been obsessed with who this is, with identifying this number of the beast. And we've actually associated the beast here in Revelation 13 with a word that's found elsewhere in the New Testament, the Antichrist, right? This beast is the Antichrist. And so it's not surprising that Christians have attributed this to tons of historical figures. They've attributed it to people of both major American political parties. They made a lot of hay out of JFK getting 666 votes at a convention or Ronald and Nancy Reagan moving into a house that was 666. So we've not only 
called it political figures. We've said that we ourselves, each other, were the beast. Like Martin Luther in the 16th century said it was the Pope. The Catholics returned the favor, said it was Martin Luther. We've been obsessed with this. But the interesting thing is, is that most scholars of the first century and scholars of the Bible now think that it's pretty obvious who John is referring to. Right, so remember, it says to calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a person. It's number 666. So John is really talking about a person, and it probably would have been pretty obvious to his audience. They probably, it wouldn't have been quite the mystery that we maybe think it is, right? Because John spoke both Hebrew and Greek, and in Hebrew, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet also stand for numbers. They have numerical value as well. And so there was this Jewish practice called gematra where you could take a name or a word and you would take all the letters and add up their values and you would get this big, large number. And so what we find from John and this number 666, there is an infamous first century name that corresponds to this number, a Greek name when spelled out in the Hebrew. And that name is Nero Caesar. Nero Caesar adds up to 666. Now there's other names that do as well, but there's several clues in the text about the head wound and there's even manuscript variants that lead us to believe pretty solidly that John is referring to Nero Caesar. You might have heard of Caesar Nero, the emperor of Rome in the 60s who quite infamously was the first one to institute a systematic persecution of Christians. Remember, Rome is burning, and Nero finds it expedient to blame it on this small, strange sect of believers called Christians. And so he has some of them arrested, rounded up, and sadistically murdered and martyred. And so John seems to be telling us that this actually is Nero Caesar. So case closed, done, mystery solved, we can go home. Not exactly. Because there's more going on in this chapter. There's more than meets the eye here. And not only does the beast seem to stand for the Roman emperor Nero, but the beast seems to stand for Rome, the empire as well. In fact, John is pulling this imagery from Daniel chapter 7. This was a very important Jewish apocalyptic text. And in Daniel 7, there's actually four beasts listed. And each of these beasts for Daniel represents a different empire. Babylonian Empire, the Median Empire, the Persian Empire, and then the Greek Empire of Alexander the Great. And so you see this pattern you see empire, 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 empire. You see empire in John, in Revelation 13. And so what seems to be represented in the beast is not just one person, or not just one empire, but the beast is empire. The beast himself is empire, is this image of any nation, any kingdom, any regime that 
exalts its own power to the status of a false god and then demands 100% allegiance. The beast stands in for any human regime, any nation, kingdom, empire throughout the ages that exalts its own prosperity, security, and power to the level of an idol. The beast encapsulates all the possible terrors of political humanity through the ages. Because the beast is empire, and empire lives and dies by the sword. And here's the problem, church. We desperately want the security of the beast. We desperately want and need the assurance of our security, of our prosperity, of our wealth, and our own well-being. And the beast can give us that. The beast can give humankind that security. That's why they praise him. Remember verses 3 and 4? In amazement, the whole earth followed the beast. They worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? The beast lives and dies by the sword. And this is why Satan uses the beast because it's the quickest way for him to get our allegiance from God. Satan knows that our vulnerability leads us to need this kind of security, right? To need the security of the beast and the power of the sword. Satan knows that the quickest way he can nab our allegiance that rightfully belongs to God alone is through the beast, is through empire. Right? Remember, 666 is not just the number of Nero Caesar, it's your whole ability to participate in the economy. Right? If you don't have it on your hand, if you don't have it on your head, you can't buy and sell. You can't be prosperous. You can't have wealth. Not just is it physical safety, it's our economic safety as well. Satan knows this is the way. That's why the dragon gives the power to the beast. And in fact, this is the very trick that Jesus talks about in Revelation 2. Remember, he he says to the church in Pergamum, I know where you live, where Satan's throne is, the altar of the emperor. It's the very trick that Satan tries to pull on Jesus himself. If you listen to our kids' Bible class this morning, we just happen to be in Matthew chapter 4 where the last temptation that Satan puts before Jesus, it says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus refuses the way of the dragon. He refuses the way of the beast. He refuses the way of empire because Jesus knows the true path to victory. Jesus knows that those who take up the sword die by the sword. 
And Jesus' dominion, Jesus' victory doesn't come through wielding the sword. Jesus' victory comes through suffering the cross. Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, challenges and overcomes the authority of the dragon, the authority of the beast, by suffering the cross. And it's precisely this way, church, that Jesus has called us to follow. It's precisely this way that John lines out in verse 6 of chapter 13. He says, The beast opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation and all the inhabitants of the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb that was slaughtered. Let anyone who has an ear listen. If you are to be taken captive, into captivity you go. If you kill with the sword, with the sword you must be killed. Here's a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. It makes all the difference in the world if we choose the way of the lamb or the way of the beast. It makes all the difference in the world to our witness if we choose the way of God or the way of the dragon, the way of Jesus or the way of Satan, because the beast lives and dies by the sword, the church dies and lives by the cross. The beast lives and dies by the sword. The church dies and lives by the cross. The cross is how Christians have always resisted empire. The cross of God's suffering love is how God has always undone the work of Satan in the world. It is the suffering of the slain lamb is how the cycles of earthly violence, these endless cycles, finally come to an end. And in fact, that's exactly what John said in chapter 12. In chapter 12, verse 11, John says that they have defeated the dragon by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Some of the earliest Christian writings that we have after the New Testament are the letters of St. Ignatius of Antioch. And Ignatius was the bishop in Antioch around the turn of the second century. And we don't really know all that much about him. All that we know from him is what we can infer from these letters that he left behind. And he actually wrote these letters en route from Antioch to Rome in order to be tortured and killed. He traveled from Antioch to Rome under guard of 10 Roman soldiers in order to be killed there for his Christian faith. And it was of this martyrdom that he wrote in a letter. He said, all the pleasures of the world and all the kingdoms of this earth shall profit me nothing. 
is better for me to die in behalf of Jesus Christ than to reign over all the ends of the earth. The beast lives and dies by the sword. The church dies and lives by the cross. And the beautiful thing is that this is the way God has decided to work in the world. That it is this way, through the cross of the slain lamb, that God has decided to call the beasts back to their humanity. It is through the witness of the church, the suffering witness of the church, that God has decided to call empire back to his justice and righteousness. And it makes all the difference in the world. So the question, church, is which way will we go? Which city will we live in? Which kingdom gets our life, gets our love, gets our death, gets our allegiance? Is it the security and prosperity of empire? Or is it the self-giving, suffering love of the slain lamb? I pray that it is the kingdom of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world victorious. Let's stand and praise that resurrected king.